everybody. I'm Andy Weinberg, and welcome to episode 70. Big number 70. The big 7-0 of the David Osikinen in the pocket podcast. Nice job. I, I just realized this is our 70th episode, and I think <laughs> in the previous 69, I've pronounced Dave's name differently or incorrectly every single time. Yeah, but he, everybody does. And Andy. he's never corrected me. So he's telling me from here on out, I'll sicken in, right? That works I'll, I'll for me. In. That works for me. But let me tell you, I've heard a lot worse, my friend. <laughs> well, you know, it's your official show. We should be getting your name pronounced yeah, correctly indeed. on your official show. Hey, but yes. I'm easy, man. Yeah. That's what they said. Well, our guest today, he's got an easy name to pronounce. Oh, he's the best. The incredible drummer, Sandy Gennaro. Yeah. Uh, the, the incredible Bo Diddley once called him, I believe the word was untouchable. And I believe there may have been a uh, adverb or an adjective before that. <laughs> He'd be fucking untouchable. Fucking untouchable. That's, untouchable. What That's what Bo Diddley would say. He's, he said that about I our guest. Today, Sandy yeah. Gennaro, he's yeah. he's played with the Monkees and Joan yeah. Jett and Pat yeah. Travers and Cindy Lauper, he, and and he started out with a band called Blackjack that yeah. featured Michael Bolton. He played yeah. with Benny Mardonas. Uh, he's a beast. I mean, he really is. And I, I can't wait to get into talking with him because, you know, he's one of the drummers that really inspired me as a drummer. Because seeing him, I was like, wow, man, he played so fierce, and I and I love the guy. So we're going to get into chatting with Sandy about his career and his drumming and all that stuff. He's a he's great drummer. Mind. He's a great personality. He's a New York totally. native, so he's got that New York City personality, yeah. huge Yankees fan. But he's out in Nashville now, so we'll talk about that, New York, Nashville, that, uh, that you know, that whole connection. Very cool. But before we get into it with Sandy, who's on the line with us, uh, I do want to mention again our great sponsors, our friends at GotPeace.com, Trudy Handelman, great friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, she sells a bunch of products that basically just promote messages of peace. They have dog tag necklaces and hats and shirts and little stuffed cows and the message which each of the with each of the each of these items yeah. is peace. No no political agenda just just we need more peace in the world. She's all about that. I yeah. mean, that company is really all about that. And they're so, very, very cool. And they do great things. And, and we're very grateful for their support. Judy's the best and uh, uh, wonderful company. Right. So gotpeace.com. And again, I do want to mention our friends at croakerpercussion.com, our great friend of the show, Eric Metz. They're yeah. dedicated to creating quality handcrafted percussion instruments with superior sound qualities Indeed. and unmatched craftsmanship. They got these limited edition cajones and brush boxes with bended strings. Yeah. Check them out on the web. Yeah, they're super cool. You know, like that, that's the one thing because when those hand drums started happening, I used to go, uh, you know, cool. But I love the way that he thinks about drumming. Like it's like a, it's like a drum set and you could play them and you could you know they're easy put them up boom just go at it uh, so uh, great great job eric on that product i love it right the push box is super cool yeah so check use it here yeah that's right check them out on the web at croakerpercussion.com that's c-r-o-a-k-e-r percussion.com or call eric at 215-669-8588 all right well speaking of drummers and we said that last time with mickey curry yeah a phenomenal drummer we have another right. phenomenal drummer on the line with us right. again this this time sandy Gennaro. sandy are you there how are you doing Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. All five foot eight of me. <laughs> but that's like a powerful five foot eight. I was telling Andy, I don't know if you heard, but like I remember seeing you. Um, I, I think I went out to see uh, when Cindy put her first band together. I, I saw you and I went, man, this drummer is so f I, I love the word the the, you were fierce. And it, it just doing it and, and, and it just added so much to her sound. And, and, and the band. And, uh, and and one thing I noticed about you that I, I really loved is the way you had a big swing. Like your shuffle was like uh, when you played a triplet, man, it was like, oh, my God, there was no doubt that it was a triplet. <laughs> it was like a drum right. Say like, wow. Like he was just well, you David, went at it. David, wonderful David, player. You. 
Thank you very, very much, David. From you, that's a huge compliment. Well, I appreciate it uh, because we're in the mutual admiration society there. Well, thank you, there. Sandy. Sandy. Uh, and your work with the Hooters has uh, always been a standout. And uh, it's a you. thrill for me to meet uh, two guys in your band, the uh, Hyman, Rob Hyman, yeah, and uh, Eric, because they work with Cindy. And But uh, actually, my theory on playing the drums is um, you have to plant the note. Yeah, you, you do. Know, you know, you walk through you walk through the field with combat boots. You don't tiptoe <laughs> no. tiptoe through the tool, the <laughs> You know what I mean? Indeed, you always so, have, man. Every, it's great. It's a, every note is important, and that that's what I've that, you know the theory I've I've always subscribed to in a natural way. I don't do it purposely. That's that's basically what comes out of my body. You know? Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, it's just it's it's a great thing to experience as somebody, a music fan, to see your approach, uh, and and it's I and I like what you're talking about. It's just it's in your DNA. I I, I have to harken back to a little. I saw a video you did. Uh, it wasn't about music. It was about your accent on Facebook when you were talking about the true New York <laughs> right. accent, which was like that's Sandy, and I just love that because that's your personality and your playing. You know, I mean, it's like. You know, you you are as 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 authentic um, as there is, and and it's you know, and I'll tell you what, Sandy, I, I'm guessing that sometimes people are a little bit put off by it. Authentic authenticity, sometimes, you know, it's the I think is the greatest thing in the world. But when you're that authentic, sometimes you know, there's people, and especially in our business, they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> the guy's too honest," you know. I bet you've run into some. You know, moments where it's like, wait a minute, you know, like you just know what some situations are just not right for you. Like, you know, and, and you've yeah, been, well, you, yeah. It's, it's an instinctive thing. And, and you know what, it, you know, it's always, it always pays to be yourself, you know, and be authentic because if you, if you're not yourself, you'll, you'll eventually be found out. Indeed. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you're kind of like, if you're not yourself, you're living according to a script, what you think you should be right. or what other people think you should be. You should just be yourself. Yeah. And, you know, if you're a drummer, just play what's in your heart. And and if you're, you know, the accent is a little put off, especially <laughs> when I first moved, when I first moved to Nashville. I, like, I want to hear about that because that's that hey, blew me away. Uh, you did that. You 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 are not from around here, are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm not from around here. You're very perceptive. Oh man, <laughs> but, um, yeah. It's just a, it's just the accent. I mean, and it's getting less and less here in Nashville because a lot of people are moving here and have yeah. moved here from different parts. So yeah. it's becoming its own little melting pot, if you will, from places up there. So it's not as apparent as when I first moved here. But yeah. um, you know, how, how long has it been now, Sam? How long has it been that you've been uh, in Nashville? It's been now? about six years. We moved here about six years ago. It was six years in March. Wow. Did it feel, did it, yeah. was it, I mean, coming from New York, was it a little weird when you moved there first getting used to it? Or what was that experience well, like getting there? As far, as far as the everyday life goes here in Nashville, it was, um, it was a pleasant, pleasant change. Obviously I miss my family that are still living in New York and my friends that are in New York and, uh, but the lifestyle here compared to where I came from is a lot more space. We have a bigger house, um, a nice yard. It's kind of on a suburban uh, vibe. It's not, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, it's not like a big city. There's yeah. not a lot of, well, at rush hour, there's certain tra there's traffic yeah. at certain, 
certain parts of downtown or whatever. Right. But in general, it's, there's a lot more room to move around. And uh, uh, even pre-virus, you know, when I first moved here, we it was a, it was a breath of fresh air, yeah. actually. You know, yeah. there, I bet. There are much, as many things as attracted me to Nashville mm. uh, uh, deterred me away from New York at the time with traffic and tolls and taxes and yeah. construction and uh you know it costs you know twenty dollars to go over the verrazano bridge yeah uh to get into the city I, you know so there was a lot of things that accumulated over time and yeah. so um in a combination of a few different things uh uh you know my wife's family lives in north carolina a oh. little closer to here yeah uh my wife my, my daughter wanted to go to belmont university here in nashville oh cool so there was a couple it was like a the stars aligned basically. are there uh um, say are there any other yankees fans out there for you to to uh, bond with uh well, I proudly I proudly display my Yankee banner outside my house, <laughs> and so it, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we we have we have some Yankee fans yeah. here, guys, you know, people from New York. But yeah. that one thing about Nashville that I dislike is it's not a baseball town. It is no baseball, yeah. pro baseball in Tennessee, right. and even on the evening evening news, there's not even like during the summer dur- during the World Series for crying out loud. There's not even a a ticker, wow. you know, like a ticker tape along the bottom of the screen of what the scores are. Oh, There's man. no acknowledgement of Major League Baseball at all. So that's why I have uh, MLB.TV where I can watch all, all any baseball game any time of day or night yeah. on, uh, you know, on Apple TV. Yeah. So I have that on my TV, and that was a prerequisite of me moving here. Yeah. Right. If I can't get Yankee games, I'm not moving in that <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do about, you know, one thing, uh, uh, you know, are there any good Italian food? Can you get good? You know, you love Italian food. Can you get good food there, like in in in, in well, Nashville? Do they have a scene the, for the that? Good, the good Ita- the good Italian food comes from my my wife's kitchen. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Thank God for that. That's so good. She, you know, she learned everything she she knows from my mom, who's yeah. gone now. But she and my mom learned everything she knows from her mother. Yeah, she, she was a, born in Sicily, but in Sicily, but um. A good friend of mine um, uh, named Nick Pellegrino, he's mm. from Staten Island, is a good friend of mine from the old days, and he opened up an Italian restaurant called Manja here in Nashville. He oh, lives here now. Oh, wonderful. So, that, yeah, that's really authentic. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of pizza places that it's not like Ray's and it's not like New York pizza, but mm. it's very, very close. So. Mm. We, 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 you know, we did our research. We picked our, for if we want to go eat Italian out, we go to Manja to my buddy's place and pizza. We have a NY pie is called. Ah, well, there you go. You get that covered, you know, because I remember just being on the road and going to Nashville and, uh, you know, the extent of my cuisine was going to Shoney's and I went like, you know, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? But right. I did like when my son and I traveled across the country, we stopped at a great place in Nashville called Hattie B's and we got this right. chicken that was like just rocking. And, um, that was, that was a cool spot. A lot of guys told me you got, if you're driving through, um, they, they said stop by there. And that was, that was pretty good. It wasn't an Italian food, but yeah. it was good chicken, you know? So yeah, that was Hattie, the thing. Hattie B's, you know, that's what you get in Nashville. That's better than New York. It's yeah. like the fried chicken. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's another place called the Loveless Cafe here, which, you know, the big, big famous thing here in Nashville, as far as cuisine and on menus, they have, we're, we're, we're a meat and free, <laughs> but what the hell is a meat and free? Well, you get your meat. 
and free side. <laughs> it's, it's called a meet and free. Okay, uh, meet, I thought you wanted to meet me at 3 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I'm, I'm getting hungry during this conversation, well, but we got to talk some music. And, but, and, yeah. and one thing about Nashville, I'm so glad it's, it you know, looks like it's working out for you going down there, that it's been a nice ride, like, doing that, because, you know, when you make a move like that, I experienced one because I did the California thing. I moved... Um, for I, my, you know, my wife at the time, she lived out there and she wanted to go there and I was there for 20 years and it was really wow. kind of, yeah. And, and I tell you, cause you know, uh, we talk, I think you and I've had this conversation, the drummers difference, New York and California and, and the West coast. And I remember getting out there and there really was like, I noticed, you know, less aggressive, less like on the, you know, just even beat wise, there was a different thing, you know, that they, that they consciously went for there, man. And I went, Hmm. Interesting, you know. So, um, you know, Cal was uh, was was a different. You know, took a little while uh, uh, to to kind of get in the groove for you know for me what, when I got what, out there. Uh, what time? What time period did you did you live in L.A.? I lived in L.A. I moved there in 1990, and I was out there. You know, like I was in L.A. for a, a few years, and then I got a place down in San Diego. And I lived there for, for 20 years. And then I would come up to wow. work, you know, which I thought was going to be just a, you know, a trip to New York, you know, a couple of, but it was traffic. It always ended about three, four hours. So I was in L.A. Right. quite a bit, but I was there for, for, for a long time. And, and um, you know, eventually I ended up finding my way back to the East Coast. But um, and, I, and, and I know the difference, you know, and I think there is obviously climate wise. But I remember it was just a bit of a stretch. Fortunately, you know, when I moved out there, I was able to work in, the, in musically. But, um, it, it, you know, um, sometimes I know a lot of guys have come out there that was like, uh, you know, they end up driving a cab or driving whatever they had to do. So, Well, you but, know, it's, Dave, it's funny you should say that, Dave, because you moved there and you already had the Hooters, Yes, right? yeah, and it helped. All right. It I, helped. I moved, to, I moved to Hollywood in 1976. Wow. And I tried. I this, was, this was after... After playing clubs in New York yeah. for twenty years, yeah. I moved. To, I moved to L.A. Yeah. to get my first big break. Yeah, but you did do and the Johnny it, Carson show. I did. <laughs> I did the best, that, man. That's, enough, that's, enough. <laughs> that's great. I did that. I, I did that as a guest to stump the band, but uh, <laughs> of course, you that, were. That's another story. Fucking great. I'll tell you. Yeah, I, you know, I was Carson was my straight man. That's that's one of my crowning moments. Oh, it was TV. beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. So so but, you were um, out there in '76. Yeah, I went out there from 76 to 79, and it's kind of a long story, and Carmine Apathy has something to do with it. <laughs> but I ended up getting, I ended up flying back to New York, and that's uh, on the basis of a resume that had no references on it except for Carmine. <laughs> and I, I spent my, because I was at the end of my rope, I, 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 I completely fluffed the Rod Stewart audition out there. Yeah. You know, we, they had the audition. It was a catacol audition yeah. uh, in at, at SIR. There was yeah. drum set provided. Yeah. But I walk in and they say, okay, you're next, Sandy. And I said, wait a minute, I got to go get my drum set. No, 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 there's a drum set there. No, I got to play on my own drum set. Uh -huh. So I let, I let the whole Rod Stewart band, and plus Rod Stewart, Wait. Wait a half an hour for me to set my drum set. And the, the punchline is the song, the audition song was Tonight's the Night. We talk <laughs> about a soft little soft yeah. little shuffle that could be played on the kick, snare, and hi-hat. Yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway, so I used Car Carmine gave me permission because we met up at Alna. He was a hero of mine growing yeah. up. And 
He said, go ahead, use your name on my on your resume. Use my name on your resume. It's totally fine. You're an awesome drummer, whatever. So I sent my resume to three to, to 50 different managers. One of them was Peter Grant of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And his uh, his mailing address was the record label of Led Zeppelin so, uh, in Madison <laughs> Avenue. So right. I sent my resume there. I didn't get any other calls except for the mat, the attorney for Led Zeppelin opened up Peter Grant's mail. Ah. And uh, he was he ran Swan Song Records in New York. And he, so, he goes, oh, a drummer. And he's putting a band together around Michael Bolton and Bruce Kulick at the time because uh-huh. uh, he was shop- shopping their song. So he opens the resume. Steve Weiss opens the resume and sees Carmine's name on it. Little did I know, and a coincidence, that Steve Weiss used to handle the Vanilla Fudge, Carmine's first band. Wow. So he knew Carmine personally. He calls Carmine and says, who's this guy, Sandy? Carmine vouches for me. The next call Steve Weiss makes is to me in L.A., wow. and he flew me to New York to audition for this yet unnamed band that ended up being Blackjack, and I got the gig, and that was the, the beginning. That was the launching pad gig right there. That was wow. my first pro gig wow. for a major label, but... It all happened very coincidentally, mm. and I moved to L.A. to get my first big break, and I ironically got it in, in New York. Yeah, you know, back and it was snail mail, too. We were not talking email back in the day. We're talking about a, No, we're said, talking snail mail, yeah. and we're talking, we're talking no uh, word processing. We're talking yeah. one index finger on the typewriter yeah. at right, a time. Right. Yeah. Typing, typing, the, typing the friggin' resume, wow. and then I stapled a, a hard copy of my picture with me and my drum set yeah. on the cover of the resume, and I had to bring it to a copy shop to have <laughs> wow. 50 copies mimeographed. They yeah. used to call it mimeographed, yeah. where the print was kind, yep. of, kind of purple. Well, that's what I sent out on that flimsy fax kind of paper, yeah. that flimsy paper. So that's what the deal was. But mm. ironically, it ne- if, if, the, if he forwarded that resume to Peter Grant, uh, as he was supposed to, yeah. but he had his secretary open it. I don't know where the hell I would be today. I know. Right. I mean, so if Steve wild. Weiss, if you Steve Weiss what? hadn't seen your Carmine's name, hadn't opened it himself, I'm you're gonna... saying, you know, none of the last 50 years would have happened for you, yeah. or 40 years would have happened. You I mean... are a hundred. You are a hundred percent correct. Wow. And it's because Carmine did me a favor, and and this is the punchline to the story, is that. I, I, Carmine called me and says, hey, what happened at the audition, man? And I told him, and I totally screwed up. And I said, Carmine, I, I don't think they found somebody. He says, you got management's number? And I said, yeah. And I gave him Ron Stewart's management's number, and Carmine went down and got the gig. <laughs> he did. Oh, my God. And he ended up playing with right. Ron Stewart on, like, four or five albums. He right. co-wrote Do You Think I'm Sexy? Yeah. And he's, he, he mentions that all the time yes. to me. He goes, if it wasn't for you, I would have never got Rod Stewart's gig. Wow. <laughs> so that's and how that's it works. That's amazing. You know, right. And if it wasn't for him, you, you know, might that, not have had a career. So yeah. it kind of it, it yeah. works well, both ways. That, that is it. And you know what the bottom line is? And, and I don't want to go too far into this because you guys have your own agenda today. But yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Base, that is the basis of my speaking yeah. career now is yeah. that you reach out to people and do people, you know, make somebody fortunate for having crossed your path. Yes. You right. know, like. So Car- Carmine, I did Carmine a favor, and in, in return, the universe rewarded me yeah. by bringing me to New York. Right. You know, like that whole Steve Weiss thing. Yeah. Uh, since Cindy's gig, yeah. uh, I was playing with Pat Travers in the early 80s, and right. I did a gig in Connecticut. Everybody was cleared out of the dress room. It was after a hot, sweaty gig. 
I was gathering my stuff, and there's this guy in the doorway, and I'm in a really big hurry. Everybody's on the bus ready for an overnight drive, and they're waiting for me. Uh-huh. And meanwhile, this guy is on the doorway with a pen and a, and a camera, and I'm going, man, I don't have time. I'm saying to myself, I don't have time for this guy. But yeah. you know what? I, I, he's standing there wanting to talk to the drummer, yeah. not to talk to Travers, to talk to me. Yeah. And he's standing there wide-eyed like a fan. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm going I'm, I'm uh, to engage this guy. So right. I walked over, and I said, listen, man, I'm in a real big hurry. What can I do for you? I signed the picture. I signed the uh, piece of paper for him, yeah. and I posed for a picture. And he said, hey, Sandy, do me a big favor. I said, man, I'm in a hurry. He goes, just real quick, do me a big favor, and if you can you uh, help me? find an audition in New York City because I'm a bass player. And I go, listen, man, I can't, I can't recommend you for a gig unless <laughs> I hear you play. Right. So here's, here's my home number. I, this is 1981. Yeah. Here's my home number and my home, my, and my home address. Send me a cassette of your plane and I'll see what I can do. He stood and stared at that card for, it seemed like, 10 minutes. <laughs> I said, listen, man. Wow. He goes, I can't believe you're giving me your home address and your home number. Sandy's giving me his home number. I said, don't worry about it, man. Just send me a cassette, uh-huh. and I'll see what I can do. I got to go. He gave me a really big hug. I left. Two, two, three weeks later, I get the cassette in the mail, and nothing really happens with it. But about, this is a long story short. No, I love me it. About, called me about three years later, this guy named Dave Wolf. <laughs> called me three years later. Oh my God. And he said, Hey, Sandy, I'm managing this girl now. She's going to be the biggest thing in 1984. I said, David, I can't join a baby band. And this is, be- Cindy was just yeah. recording her right. first record. Yep. The record wasn't even out yet. Yep. This is the, this is like 83. Yeah. Yeah. I can't join a baby band, David. He goes, you don't know. Sandy, I'll take care of you. You might have to share rooms at first, but I'm going to take care of you. This is going to be a big thing. I said, David, everybody's project is going to be right. the next yeah. big thing. He goes, Sandy, you don't understand. You were so nice to me in that doorway, man. I want you. To, I don't want you to miss this opportunity. So I, I ended up joining Cindy's band. Yeah. It was one of the biggest, the biggest tours I ever did. I, I saw her go from... A bar, yep. you know, playing in bars yeah. and traveling in a Winnebago with yeah. band and crew on the right. same Winnebago right. Right. to arenas to the like summit, four months later. To the summit in Houston. It was, it was an unbelievable ride. But the punchline is, you talk about the, the gig in L.A., where where would I be without Carmine? Yeah. Well, where would I be without David Wolf? Yeah. Because during that tour, I met the woman that I ended up marrying. Huh. Marrying, we, we ended up uh, living together a year later, and... Uh, and we got married in 1990, and we're still together. We're, t- we're married for 30 years and together for 35 years. Wow. Because I was nice to David Wolf in the yeah. friggin' doorway. Yeah. And yeah. That, Sandy, that is a message, seriously, that should, I mean, I know this is the, 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 the basis of your motivational speaker or whatever, but that's a message that should go out to everybody. You do one seemingly innocuous, one nice thing for one mm. person, and karma has a way of kind of working yeah. out for you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just... You know, that's the way it is, man, but you don't do it for what possibly... Right, you just, do it, you just do it you in do. the moment. You yeah. do it in the moment, yeah. but then you, things yeah. have a way you of working out. Yes, and so you have to have that kind of mindset to look outside yourself, and we call it, the, the, the term for it is altruism. Thinking yeah. outside yourself. You don't think about your actions about in regard to what it could do for you. Right. You treat other people like you want to be treated if you were in their shoes. That's mm. the key. You know, <laughs> and, and you just got to keep your eye out for opportunities. 
and nine out of ten, you'll do the good deed, and everything will be fine, and every and everybody feels good about the good deed, the recipient and the giver. But one out of every hundred times of this good deed, something can change your life. Yes. And it happened to me yeah. on several everything, David. Yeah. Uh, everything that has come good to me in my life personally and musically, has been a, as a result of that kind of right. action, yeah. reaching out for somebody, some, you know, other, that's how I got the monkeys gig. Yeah. You know, three, three, four months before I got the monkeys gig, this musical director, bass player, Jerry Renino, rest his soul, calls me and he's, and he's the, he's the MD for the tokens who had the song lion sleeps tonight. Uh-huh. And he's the MD for the band. They're doing a gig at Westbury music fair uh, three days hence, like on, he calls me on a Wednesday. The gig was on Saturday. He says, I lost my drummer. He bailed on me. Yeah. I need a drummer, Sandy. You got to help me out. I didn't know Jerry's from a hole in the wall. He right. got my number from somebody else. Right. And I, he goes, man, the pay is nothing, but you can, I hear you can do the gig. You're a good reader. I can send you charts. I can blah, 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 blah. You got to bring your own drums. The pay is not good. The sound yeah. check is at 3 p.m. The show isn't until 9. You know, a lot of, there was a lot of downside. Everything negative, buddy. <laughs> a lot of negative. Yeah. But I said, you know what? He sounded sincere. Yeah. And I put myself in, in, in his shoes. Yeah. And if I was an MD and I had a drummer on the phone, I would want him to do the gig. Yeah. And I did the gig. I did the gig. Me and Jerry, as a rhythm section, got along really, really well. The tokens loved what I did. I bailed his butt out. Wow. And wow. About, I don't know how, how much time later, maybe a year went by. Yeah. And he goes, hey, Sandy, I'm the MD for the monkeys. You want to do the tour? <laughs> and I said, sure, man. That would be great fun. I used to yeah. watch them when I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. And so I ended up doing that. That started as one reunion tour. Right. And I ended up doing every single monkey reunion tour, mm. almost every one. Um, until Davy Jones died. That was in 1987, oh, mm. and Davy Jones died in 2012. Mm. So how lucrative was that? Yeah, um, shocking when he passed to away the too. Fact that Mickey Dolenz and Davy Jones both did their solo gigs, so I did those. Wow. Um, it led to my teaching career at the Drummers Collective because yeah. I rehearsed the Monkey Score at a rented drum room at the, at a drum school called the Drummers Collective. Yes, and paying for my time. He said, hey, uh, the owner of the collective at the time said, hey, Sandy, what were you rehearsing there? And I said, I'm going on the monkey tour. He goes, do you ever think about teaching? And I said, no. He said, but I'd, I said, I'd love to try it. He goes, all right, contact me when you get, get off the road and we'll set you up with some students. Yeah. That was my day job. That set me up for a 27-year teaching career. That's wonderful. At yeah. And that was my day job in between monkey tours and in between every tour that I did. Yeah. That's and a legendary a place, too. My, Collective. It's a What's legend. That? It's a legendary place. The drummers it's collective. It's a legendary school. Yeah, it's yeah. a legendary music school in yeah. New York City. And uh, so, I, I, in my connection with the collective, a my reading got a lot better. I playing with a click all the time. Yes. And and it enabled me to take other gigs where I because of my reading skills where I otherwise wouldn't have been able to take if I if I didn't teach. Oh. And plus, I did instructional videos as a result. So all of the dominoes kept falling. Yeah. Just based on me doing that one gig to Jerry Renino. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And then you got to hang out with the monkeys, which was really amazing that you got to, I would see that because, you know, the TV show, I watched the TV show and you get to know the guys from the TV show. And then you were doing that too. I thought it was super cool. 
Um, I got to know Peter Tork a little bit because I did a benefit in Insurance Sweden with him um, uh, and Eric. And we went over and a couple other guys went and played. And he was the nicest guy. Uh, uh, but yeah. I remember he was really out there, man. He wanted to do this, I, 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 this long, like crazy kind of almost this grateful, this grateful dead kind of jam thing, which was like, whoa, right. I, it was it. You know, so now you know he could be really out there. But what a what a great yeah. guy, and it was such a great hang. I imagine uh, too, uh, uh, Sandy, that uh, even in their later years, the monkeys still attracted tons of beautiful women shrieking, probably, shrieking over oh, Davy and Mickey and uh, and yeah. Peter. I'm, I'm sure there were tons. Of, there yeah. were some pretty attractive women. At those at those shows, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, it was great. I be, I got really close, became really close with Davy and Mickey because, as yeah. I said, I did their solo things in right. between monkey tours, yeah. and, you know, casinos or whatever. Yeah. And um, Davy actually, after after one after a monkeys gig at Westbury, because he had a house in Pennsylvania and he sort of had to had to go through Staten Island to drive back to his house. Uh -huh. He said, "Hey, Sandy, I hear you're, you're building that wall on the side of your house. I had this." stone wall that I was building uh -huh. and he's like a working man he was like he was like you know he liked to get get into the dirt and and work you know wow. he was a working man's artist yeah and he said hey man I, I I'm a good stone mason Can in I... my day in England I'll come and help you I'll come I'll drive to your house after the gig at Westbury I'll stay over and we'll wow. get up Sunday I'll bring my and he so he helped me build my wall I wow <laughs> That's and amazing. Then, yeah, he helped me build my wall. It was wow. in my kitchen. In my, in my kitchen. Yeah. My wife cooked them breakfast. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> my wife was going, wait, there's Davy Jones yeah. eating my, eating my <laughs> That's house. Amazing. And That's amazing. That's amazing. And the... And the, the neighbors were coming over yeah. and taking pictures, and yeah. he would pose for pictures oh, and oh, sign that's great. and, and I, have a, He was so gracious. Yeah. I loved that. Man. Yeah, yeah so I know. Awesome. I saw when he passed away, I, you did a tribute to him, and I could tell you were really, you know, really sad about it. And, and But, you know, what? It, what it, you know, his genuine, he was another guy that came off so authentic on TV, and then you'd see him in interviews, and he just seemed like just such a nice cat and such great, it's, yeah. it's great to hear that about him that and but I didn't know that I knew that he lived in Pennsylvania somewhere but the whole story of him coming to help you you know do the do the wall that's 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 an incredible story man and I know you were really yeah, hurt by lived, that Yeah he lived uh he lived in uh, he had a a summer house 16 acres in Beavertown which right. was uh, out, outside of Harrisburg uh -huh. Pennsylvania Wow. And then he had a, a winter place in Stewart, Florida, because he used to have horses, racehorses. Right. And he used to have to transport the racehorses summer, winter, and mm. in the climate, yeah. you know, the warm climate. Yeah. What about? So, um, yeah, he. I was just gonna say, what about playing these songs that are so ingrained in pop culture that are you know fifty years later, Last sixty train years later? Phil, I'm yeah, a believer. Daydream believer. Uh, I, 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 I mean, yeah, uh, stepping. I'm not your stepping stone. Yeah, the stepping Sunday. stone is just such a great yeah, track. I, I mean, just you know, these songs amazing. are so part of of American culture, and you're getting to play them, you know, on tour at night after night. Yeah, that um, that must have been a blast. It was a, it was great fun to do that, and and uh, you know I was emulating people like Hal Blaine. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, you know, session guys on those records, and uh, you know, songs written by Neil Diamond and Carol King, right? And, uh, Carol Bayer-Sager and yeah. uh, Boyce and Hart. Boyce and Hart. And yeah. Did you songs. meet the the Boyce and Hart? Uh, one, I don't know if they're they're still around, but the Boyce and Hart guys, I love listening to. Like uh, you know, I know the little Steven sometimes will play them on his on his show, and I get to hear those right. guys. It's like uh, incredible. Did you get to meet any of those guys when they were? They I, I met. I met. I, I don't. I don't recall meeting. I think I met uh, Boyce. Yeah. Once. 
a wow. long time ago. And then since then, I met uh, his wife was a good friend of uh, Davy. Oh, so yeah. yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. It, it's not very clear whether yeah. I met those guys. Yeah. I, I know uh, Hart. I about Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. Mm. Yeah, Bobby Hart. I've never met, but yeah. but. Um, you know, songs written by Neil Diamond. I mean, so it was all, it was an awesome, awesome, awesome situation. And again, it's it's one of those things where you're on stage and you're going, "How the hell did I get, I get here?" here I right? used to watch this. I used to watch this guy, yeah. you know, run, running home from school to watch the monkeys. Yeah. And and I was already a big fan of the Beatles. And uh, and then here I here I'm seeing Davey do the little Axl Rose like skate thing, and I'm looking at his <laughs> ass now. Instead of TV. Yeah, amazing. You know, and for it, and, you know, he was, was a young was, man. He was really still pretty young when he passed away. It's it was really tragic, man. He was uh, he was I think he was in his high sixties. Yeah. Yeah. But when he passed, it was yeah. like 68, 69, yeah. and he just died of a heart attack yeah. uh, suddenly. Wow. That's, that's, um, but what an amazing career yeah. you've done. You went from the monkeys to playing with, you know, you did, you know Johnny Winter doing doing uh, Bo Diddley. I mean, wh what a it's just incredible that you were, you know, you could pull that both those gigs off seamlessly. I mean, really super. Well, it, it's 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 a matter of, you know, it's you know, it's a drumming, as you know, David, yeah. it's a combination of being yourself. Yeah. Of course, like we spoke about right? being yeah. yourself on the and drum a bit set, of a chameleon. But applying, applying, that's correct, applying what you are to the music yeah. at hand. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, and serving, serving the music. Right. Not, not, hey, Stan, this is Sandy Gennaro playing monkey stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, leave, leave your double pedal at home. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not it's not about showing all your chops in your toolbox. It's the song. You 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 show the tools that the song needs. Yeah. And Tom Dow told me during that first Blackjack record, Tom that was lucky enough to be produced by a legendary yeah. Tom Yeah, Dow, I know Tom. My yep. first record. Yep. And he said, Sandy, if the fill does not fit the song, no matter how well it's executed, no matter how well it's played, do not yeah. play it. Right. Save it for your clinics. Yeah. He said, save the fill for your clinics. <laughs> and I've always, great taken, advice. I've always taken that, that lesson. Yeah, because, and that's why I, I err on the side of simplicity. Mm. Um, and if somebody, of an artist wants more, yeah. I'll supply more. But I'm not going to supply more than he wants. Mm from the get-go. It's always That's been, it's been a common theme. All the great drummers have been on the podcast. We've had 70 podcasts and it's always been that like the, the drummers that have had a career and have worked for many years are the guys that serve the song. When Mickey was on last week, my uh, on our last podcast, Mickey Curry, who I, I found, I saw this great video. Some of my favorite guys, uh, you did a show and it was such amazing. I, 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 when Mickey was come on, I was just kind of going through YouTube and there was this video of you and it was Tommy Price, who I adore. I love Tommy's playing. And Mickey, and I forget there was another percussionist. And I and I think you Michael might have... Michael Shreve. Michael, Michael Shreve, who I, I mentioned in... When I, I did an interview in Modern Drummer. And this is interesting because there's another six degrees of separation. Because I think you might have played with, played with Pat Thrall. Because Pat played on the Automatic Man record, which Michael Shreve was, uh, you know, a big part of that band. But that was Michael, right. Mickey, Tommy, and you... And it was and, right. and it was like a gig somewhere. I think a Studio Fifty Four, something like that. Right. You guys were playing. I mean, what a night, man! I would have loved to live in New York at that time to see that go down. 
Yeah, it was a drum battle, a drum battle. I got the idea from Carmine to yeah. do like a little drum battle. Yeah. But I kind of wrote it out and we, you know, I just, uh, I posted just like the last four minutes of it. Yeah. But we did, it was a lot longer with yeah. videos. and yeah. Yeah. But, but that was great, great fun. And Mickey Curry is one of my favorites. Oh. He was the nicest man oh. and uh, a yeah. great guy, a yeah. really good guy. Oh, yes, fantastic. But yeah, that was, that was a... It was it was a cool. If anybody out there wants to see that, I'm yeah. sure it's on YouTube. Oh, somewhere. it's great! It's really great. I saw that. I was just blown away. And you were just so incredibly humble. You know, like these. You, you said all these guys have taught me, and it was just great. Great to 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 you know the way you presented the whole video was really really good, man. So I, I anybody listening have a chance to look that up on YouTube. Um, you know, look it up. It's 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 a very cool video. Sandy, that, that, yeah, it does sound a, really cool. You, we, yeah, you would search uh, Sandy Gennaro Studio 54 or something. And, yeah. and listen, uh, if anybody has difficulty finding it, um, you know, uh, I can I can give uh, can I can I give my email? Address? Yeah, sure, absolutely. absolutely. Whatever you want. Yes. My website is sandygennaro.com, two N's and one R, and then my uh, my email address is sandy at sandygennaro.com. And <laughs> if you have any questions or if you want to. I can send you the video. I can send you whatever you want. Yeah. So just uh, feel free to reach out to me. You're that's, always that's teaching, very, man. It's yeah. good stuff. Sandy, we gotta we, we gotta talk about some of the people you've played with. And Dave mentioned Bo Diddley. We mentioned him at the top of the show as well. Was that what was that like? I mean, I know you toured. I guess it was his last tour, right? Um, in, around 2006. It, uh, yeah, I played. I played with him. It wasn't one big long tour. We, I played with him like the last five years of his life. Okay, and we used to go. We used to go to Europe for two or three weeks, come home, and then we would go out for three or four days. So it wasn't like a three-month block of time. It was yeah. in and out, in and out, in and out. And I just went down to the China Club one night when I heard there was going to be this uh, a gentleman by the name of John Paris said, hey, there's going to be a yeah. blues benefit right. down down uh, at, at the China Club. Once you go down, I think uh, I think Bo Diddley's musical director is going to jam and her bass player, uh, his bass player, and um, there's going to be, you know, whatever, a lot of common friends were there. So I went and I ended up, he engineered, John Paris uh, engineered, because he had inside information that Bo's drummer was going to be leaving eventually. He was a Japanese guy. He had mm. to go back to Japan for his family. Yeah. And so he said, you know, later on, retrospect, I found out that, hey, man, I, I was setting you up for an audition because he, he kind of um, planned it where I went on stage and did this shuffled blue shuffle yeah. with Bo's Bo's musical director and manager Margot right. Lewis played right. D three and and um, no actually manager was Margot the musical director was Deb Hastings a bass player right and so they were up there and I was the drummer and some other singer of Sam we just did a, a standard blues shuffle and a couple of weeks later I got a call from Margot going hey you want to go out with Bo and we you know uh, no no I go okay uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd be honored to. Yeah. Send me a set list. Wow. You don't need a set list. Uh, <laughs> at least, oh, oh no! First, I ask for for, for a, a CD of the songs. No, you don't. You don't need it. You don't need it. <laughs> uh, could you at least send me a set list? Yeah. A set list so I can look up the songs online or whatever. Nah. No, you don't. You don't need it. You don't need. It. He does stuff different every day. <laughs> he does, every night is different. Every yeah. night is different. Yeah. I said okay. So the first gig was House of Blues in New Orleans with Bo Diddley sold out. People are hanging off the rafters. Wow. And I don't know what song is coming next. <laughs> oh so my I God. said to the during during sound check, I said to the musical director, I said, 
just turn around to me. First of all, you're going to have to count the songs off from right. one. Right. Two, just let me know if it's straight eighth notes or if it's a shuffle. shuffle. <laughs> uh, and and we're, we're good. And she would turn around and, and she goes, straight eight. One, <laughs> two. And, they, and they, they, off we went. Yeah. And uh, wow. Bo, Bo obviously would start most. But he was, um, he was the most down to earth. And the, the thing I value, aside from sharing a stage with that the Mount Rushmore, he belongs on yeah, Mount, the indeed, rock and roll Mount Rushmore. Sure, he does. Absolutely. Um, what were waiting for flight and at a gate and hearing sitting next to him. And after I would clean his glasses, I go, Bo, let me have your glasses. I can plant tomatoes on them. They would be so <laughs> dirty. So dirty. So I would clean his glasses. He goes, Thanks, Red. He used to call me Red. Thanks a lot, Red. But the stories that he had about yeah. him hanging with BB King, yeah. him hanging out with uh, Little Richard, yeah. him, him, you know, um, he's in all the books, uh, all the books, uh, all the books. Ray Charles, Ray Charles, and stuff. And yeah. uh, you know, it's funny. He he told me the story about uh, 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 Ray Charles, where he <laughs> he introduced. Now he went out to a club with Ray Charles afterwards after a gig, and he introduced Ray Charles. And you know Ray Charles <laughs> can't see. Right. He introduced Ray Charles to this woman, and the woman was about four hundred pounds. Right. <laughs> so, so Ray leaves with the woman, um, with his with his escort, or you know, the, his his minder. Yeah. And the next day, he goes to Bo, and I can't use four letter words on on the air here. But yes, you can. Yeah, you yes, can. On this show, you, you, you can. can. You can, Sandy. <laughs> I can? Yes. You can. Tell the story as you want to tell it. <laughs> son of a bitch. You <laughs> fucking son of a bitch. He said, no, no, I'm not allowing you to introduce me to any other woman ever. <laughs> and so that, and then years later, I, I saw the movie Ray. Yeah. Right? The right. movie Ray. Right. Ray Charles. Yep. And there was a scene in the bar where he was introduced to a woman at a bar and Ray Charles in the movie and, and the person, the, the actor that played Ray Charles grabs the woman's arm and is feeling the woman's arm yes. like, to see, to see what the weight <laughs> configuration was. It was so funny. That's just like a, yeah. that's like a tip of the iceberg of the oh. stories that he had. Oh man. But well, what an experience, man, to do that, and 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 you know, you also did some playing with Johnny Winter. Obviously, that you know, that must have been incredible, like playing with Johnny. Yeah, that that it was really good. It you know, and again, you know, you follow your instincts, and yeah. every time I, I I mentioned that I used to go to the China Club and jam or whatever. But every time I had to play a shuffle, this is early on. Yeah, I would be intimi I would be intimidated by it. I didn't know the authentic. I yeah. only knew what what I affectionately call a Tommy Lee show. Yeah, but like, you got it down. But you got it down though. You play a nice, you know. Like I said, I mentioned it. Your shuffle. You played a triplet. You, you know. You you got you obviously learned because <laughs> it was really great. Right. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you how I learned, Dave. I I was inspired. I said, you know what, Sandy, you're a professional drummer. You're touring arenas and, and whatever, and and you have a, a a skeleton in your closet, and the skeleton is called a shuffle. Yeah. And I was always, I said, you have to slay that that dragon. Yeah. So I I was inspired, and yeah, okay, I blew it off, blew it. But one day I said, you know what, I rented a room at some rehearsal studio in Manhattan. I brought. A metronome. Yeah. I listened to BB King records. Yeah. I, I listened to Little Walter records. I listened to Muddy Waters records, and 
and I learned that the double-handed shuffle. Yeah. And I put the metronome on. I took the toms off the, the drum set. I took the cymbals off the drum set, kick, snare, and hi-hat. Yeah. I put the metronome on at like 60 yeah. and rehearsed. Kum, kuka, kukum, kuka, yeah. For like a minute and a half, yeah. two minutes. And then I bumped the metronome up. And I bumped the metronome. I went up to as fast as I can go. Okay. Yeah. So now I walked out of that studio going, okay, now I got the left hand going on the shuffle and it's, it's, it's happening. Uh, what happens then? Guess what happens then? What? What happens then is I get a call from Johnny Winner's bass player. Yeah. And he goes, Jeff, Jeff Gans at the time. And I knew him from, from around the city. And he goes, Sandy, we're looking for a drummer. You want to come down, leave your double pedal home yeah. uh, and bring, bring your shuffle. So yeah. the first song, I just meet Johnny at SIR. First time I met him. And there's Jeff Gans, three-piece band. And he goes, Johnny goes, okay, play to this. And he starts playing. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. So I... I did a little after three bars. I did a, like a one bar build. Playing the twelve eight. Right. He stopped. He goes, "No, I don't want that on the ride. I want the shuffle ride. He wants instead of tick 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 tock tick tick. He wants the tick tick tock tick tick really slow. Yeah. So I'm I'm playing that, and he the song finishes, and he goes turns around to me and goes, hey, man, you got a pretty good shuffle for a white boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, and I'm saying to myself now, what kind of message, and I've gotten that message as far as improving my shuffle for years. I was on the road with Lauper, and yeah. again, my shuffle wasn't up to my standard. Yeah. But that one time, I was inspired, and I actually went and did it. You know, yeah. went into the studio and rehearsed the shuffle. And as a result of that, following my muse or whatever you want to call it, I get the call from Johnny Winterman wow. uh, or his wow. bass player. I ended up getting that gig. Yeah. And that, that was about a two and a half year gig. We did a few gigs around New York City and rehearsed mm. a lot. And mm. It was awesome. Johnny was awesome. Yeah. He was a gentle, gentle soul yeah. and a blues guy in his heart. Yeah. He was never really a rock and roll no. guy. He was no. a blues Love guy. It. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Amazing, uh, um, amazing that you did that. That you did that gig, and and you also well, did the Cindy, the Cindy. Well, I mean, and and he's amazing. been on some hit records, a, a bunch of hit records too. We didn't, we haven't mentioned Benny Mardonas. Yeah, uh, just <laughs> passed away recently. And what a signature track you played on "Into the Night," which was a huge hit. It was a hit, hit twice, yeah. nineteen eighty-one, and then again right. eighty-nine. And that then you played on the whole album, right. uh, "Never Run, Never Hide." Can we play a little bit of that. Can we? Correct. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Taylor, let's hear a little of uh, "Into the Night," Benny Mardonas. Okay. Listen to that.
fabulous, man. That, just to, that just, every note counts, man. It's like just Sandy, you just killed it on that. But there was space. Yeah. I left the space. Yeah, you sure did, man. I mean, it made the song. You know, it was like it just beautiful. That's it. Back in the days when we were recording the tape. Right, that wasn't you know that right. was that was a two inch two inch tape and there's yeah. no click on that at all. We're all recording live in oh. the studio. Wow, what studio do you record that in? Do you remember? That was at uh, Quad Radio Studios in Miami. It was North Miami. It was right up the street from uh, Criteria, yeah. and that's where I did the Travers Black Pearl record too in Quad Radio wow. Studios. But it, just talking about that track, we were rehearsing it, and I would count it in. We're rehearsing it, count it in, one, three, three, four, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And the producer, Barry Moraz, stopped and goes, hey, Sandy, do a little pickup into into the song, you right. know, on the on the third beat or whatever. Yeah. So I, that's the first thing instinctively. And he goes, he, he did give me a hint in the direction. He said, just think Motown. Yeah. So that's where I did the bucket of fish, boom, butta yeah, that, that Love bucket you fish. know pea soup thing. Yeah, and then I hit the floor tom on the fourth beat. Yeah, so that was my Motown tribute to Motown. And then he stopped again and he said, "That's perfect." He said, "Do it at every turnaround when you go from a verse to a chorus, from the chorus to the next intro, from the intro to the verse solo. Do that same intro fill. Yeah, and we, we'll make it like a little drum hook, and yeah. that's what it became. Yes, totally, totally a signature. You know what? The tune. They, David and Andrew, all the questions I get about, you know, about songs or, you know, the Travers or whatever, I get the most questions about that one fill in the intro. Yeah. How do you play it? Yeah. Whatever. Can you write it out? Whatever. Yeah. And that was completely off the cuff. How how cool was it? hearing that song blow up, you know, whatever it was, you know, in summer of 81 or, or early 81, whatever, whenever it hit the charts. But, uh, I mean, to hear it all over the radio, I mean, that, that had to be a pretty, pretty good feeling, right? It's a, it's a really, <laughs> it's a really, a really good feeling is an understatement. It's, it's, you know, but that's one that Benny Mardonis gig is one of the dominoes. Okay. So where we left off with the blackjack gig, I flew to New York, got the gig, did the first record of Criteria. Now we're rehearsing for the second record. And uh, I, I leave the rehearsal room to buy a can of Coke at the machine. And I get this, I'm sweating bullets at the time. Yeah. And I get this uh, tap on my shoulder. I turn around and, he, and this guy goes, are you playing drums in that room? And I said, yeah. He goes, you want to play on my record? And yeah. I go, well, I'm in a band now. He goes, no, I don't want you to leave your band. I, we'll, we'll arrange a schedule. I want you to play on my record yeah. as a freelance thing. I said, sure. He goes, come to my studio. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, uh, picking songs for my record with my producer in Studio 6. Come af- after your rehearsal and I'll play you some songs. Yeah. So I did. And it was Benny Mardonis. And I went in the room after my blackjack rehearsal. He <laughs> sat down on a piano and sang piano vocal into the night with Barry sitting there. And I go, I just heard that hook. Just him singing it with the piano. I said, I'm in. I'm in. Oh, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. But that was because of the blackjack gig. Mm. And how did the blackjack gig happen? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And you were close to Benny. Yeah. You were close to Benny. I saw, uh, I saw I when really he passed away. He, you know. Yeah, he was a really big fan of my playing. Yeah. And uh, even after the basic tracks were done, we had a rented house in Coconut Grove. Yeah. Uh, if, after the basic tracks were done, he said, Sandy, I want you to stay. I, you know, you can't leave Friday. He said, stay to Monday. I want you, I want your vibe around here. Yeah, I love yeah. you, man. I oh. love you. He was, he was a guy that, man, if he loved you, he'd fucking show you that yeah. he loved you. You the, know what I mean? He wouldn't hesitate. 
Those are great awesome. days. You know, you think about like how the music business has changed so much, but you know, I mean, there were some things that weren't great, but there were some things about like, you know, back in the days when there were, you know, some bands got the little budget and you can hang out and pull the guys together and hang out like that. Uh, it just, right. you know, it makes me think about the, those times and, uh, and uh, you probably, you know, it, it's, you, you lived it, man. Some really well, he, great Sandy, you, you became a little bit of a video star. In, and we talked about Cindy Lauper earlier, but the money changes everything live video that she put out. You're you're pretty prominent right. in that video. I mean, that's uh, people. Yeah, could, I, I mean, you know, that's 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 a testament to that whole that Cindy's first band. Yeah, is great the fact band. That money changes everything was on that on that first show unusual record. With, yeah. uh you know, a studio with the tr uh, drum machine and yeah, all of that. Right. Great. When when it was time to when it was time to release that as a single, it was the fifth single off that record. Yeah. Uh, Cindy goes, I want the band's live performance to be the soundtrack to the video. I don't want I don't want to have to lip sync to the, to yeah. the album track. I want the band. So that's that's how we did it. Now the we we used um, NFL Films. It was one of the first first uh, video production right. to use the air, the cable cam yeah. when she went up in the garbage can. There was a cable cam there that used the football games. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and So the producer came to me and said, hey, listen, we're going to do two takes of it. Wear your same clothes that you're going to wear tonight at the, at the filming during soundcheck because we're going to do all the close-up shots during the soundcheck with no audience. And then during the show tonight, the regular show is a Summit Auditorium in uh, Houston, Texas. Yeah. Uh, during the show, uh, we're going to shoot all the, the far shots and Cindy going up in the garbage can or whatever. So he said, there's no click. You're not playing with click. So try to match the tempos because yeah. we got to edit. We got to edit between those two takes. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. Um, I've been playing this song for like eight months at that point. I, 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 I'm going to try to nail the same tempo. I can't guarantee it's going to be to the beat the minute. Yeah. But he he came out of the truck after the gig that night. He goes, man, it matched up pretty good. That's awesome. <laughs> and they ended up, you know, being able to edit between the two takes, between the sound check take and the live take. Wow. So it was uh it was great. I get a lot of compliments on the on that performance and. The, the drums vocal thing that are happening at the end, I, I think I uh, sent you guys a video of it. Um, the drums vocal thing, and he used to have a different percussive way of singing money, 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 change it, whatever, every single night. And I used to have to cop, cop it what it was because she wanted me to, you know, be on it you know yeah, what i mean yeah. on with the vocal yeah she's fierce too she's but, another um, one that is like very intense about you know drumming and 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 she's totally in tune to everything you know i mean a, a remarkable person and 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 really some people would be surprised how deep she is into the music you know because uh she's she's a remarkable talent as well you know so that must have been a lot of fun she's working a, with a her. remarkable and i'm gonna make a prediction she's headed for the hall of fame eventually oh. Oh, I, no I, doubt. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Because of her longevity yeah. and all that. She never stops working. No. She doesn't stay in the pop no. genre. She no. did a, a soul record yeah. in Memphis. She did a the country yeah. record yeah. here in Nashville. Blues record, uh, too, right? So the blues record, too. A blues record, yeah. correct. Yeah. 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 So um, she she not only is so deep into the music, she's deep into every aspect of her live yeah. gigs. Yeah. As to where the risers are, what the band wears. The yeah. hairstyle, uh, whatever, especially in that first thing. She handed us all a shop brown shopping bag 
a, 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 what, a, what I call Italian luggage, <laughs> a brown shopping bag from the supermarket. And she goes, with Sandy written on a Sharpie, here's your stage clothes, Sandy. And she gave a bag to each band member. She goes, I don't care what you wear, but make sure it comes out of that bag. <laughs> so, yeah, she was very, very into it. Um, you know, every aspect of the gig was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Man, what a career. Do we want to hear any of Money Changes yeah, Everything? let's play a little bit of that. Let's play that. a click track when you got Sandy Gennaro, man. You don't need it. He's just locked down, sounding great. They were fun Thank times, you, man. man. Fun times. Absolutely fun times, man. Hey, Followed that whole thing, man. I just thought it was just the greatest thing in the world. Before we uh, before we run out of time, we, we should talk a little bit about Pat Travers, because I know you spent a lot of time with him. Um, a huge chunk of your career, I guess, was playing with, in Pat's band. Um Great, yeah. uh, underrated. I mean, I, 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 he doesn't get the attention that I think he deserves. I mean, uh, yeah. great. Oh, yeah. Didn't Pat know? I, I, I mentioned Pat Thrall earlier. Didn't Pat Thrall play with him as well? Play guitar with him? Yeah, yeah. Pat, Thrall, Pat Thrall played with him with Tommy Aldrich. Oh, okay. Morris Cowling was the bass player, and Pat was the, Pat Travis was the guitar player and right. singer, obviously. Right. And then when Pat Thrall left the band when, when Tommy was let go. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and me being involved with Polygram, with Blackjack, and with Benny, yeah. uh, Polydor Records, I got to know the A&R people at Polygram, and they mentioned, hey, listen, you didn't hear from me, but I'm hearing that uh, that um, um, Travis is going to let go Tommy Aldridge. Yeah. So, so I got management's number. I ended up getting past gig, yeah. and um, uh, that was in 19, the end of 80. So I did a couple of records with him and tour, whatever. I was with him till about the 83 um, and that's the gig that David Wolf came to right. where I ended up doing with Cindy's gig. But then he called me back. Pat called me back in 2010 <laughs> and, um, and I went back with him and played with a different rhythm section, right. another Rodney O'Quinn who now plays with Foghat. Yeah. But that bass player and Kirk McKim was the guitar player. So it was a four piece band, right. but I didn't actually play with Pat Thrall, but it, it, after that first incarnation of Travers in the early eighties, in the '90s, I hooked up with Pat Thrall somehow in the city, and we and he ended up being in my house band. I had a jam band 
um, at that played at a club that was like everybody used to come and sit in and all of that. Oh, cool. So he was a member of the core band. So I played with him in a in a local club situation. Right, you know, like, right, right. But Pat's role was the guy that wrote a lot of that early stuff. I mean, yeah. Travers's name was on it, and Travers has something to do with songs like Snortin' Whiskey and, um, uh, you know, uh, Boom Boom, Alcohol yeah. Lights, or Crash and Burn. Yeah. yeah. MMR, WMMR, the, the rock station in Philly, used to play Boom Boom, Alcohol Lights, Lights all, all the, time. the time back yeah. then. Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah. great yeah, stuff. Yeah, I remember MMR. I think we, we did a couple of gigs for MMR uh, yeah. that was sponsored by, you know, live broadcast or whatever. Mm. Right. These were great times. I mean, so, such, such great times, great music. It was so rocking. I mean, it's just great memories. You Sandy know. did send us, he had a, a, a short solo, but you sent us a, a drum yes. solo you did let's, with Pat get some on the song on uh, Ask yeah. Me Baby, which I just came out in like 2010. Yeah. Taylor, I think it's like at the 412, we got a, a quick uh, a Sandy Gennaro drum solo. Awesome. There you go. That's but that was the tail end of it. Yeah, right. but let me tell you, it, it, you say it all right there. You can do it. It's like we know. I've seen videos of you. I, there's a great video. Again, I'm going to mention YouTube. There's a solo you did, and, and if you know, I mean, it's a long length solo, but it, you never get bored watching it because you're just on every level. It's entertaining, and your playing is just over the top great. It's something you did with the Company of Wolves, I believe. I know those guys, and I saw a solo you were doing at a live show. All right, and you're killing it man you did the double bass i mean in that case you just it was entertainment wonderful playing man great playing yeah well thank you man that i used a sample of the if you saw that company wolf solo where i i hit a sample of johnny winter singing rock and roll rock and roll <laughs> anyway oh man but anyway guys i have to i got a rehearsal yeah uh, oh. have the band starting to load in right now so i'm in my house and i uh, got a great little room with oh i love it uh, sandy thank yeah, you yeah. So much for joining us, man. This is great, uh, you know, talking old times. Great catching up with you. I'm so glad things are going well with you in Nashville and your family. And, uh, you know, uh, I want to say go Yankees, but I'm a Phillies fan. I can't do that. Especially but, now they're in the same we division. I know, I know. <laughs> we love you, man. We love you. And, and, and best of luck with everything that's going on with you and your family and music. So, man, thanks for spending the hour with us, man. Yeah, thanks so much, Sandy. It was yeah, great. time, man. All right, buddy. I'm always here for you, man. Right, I'm buddy. always here I for know. you. We're lifelong friends. And, I know. Uh, I appreciate it. Andrew, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, and Dave, say hi to the guys for we'll me, do. okay? We'll All do. Right. All right, Sandy. All right. Thank you, thank Sandy. Thank you so much. My best. Cheers, everybody. Hey, cheers. Bye-bye. Wow, man. That was fun. Hey, he's fired up. It's <laughs> like you think about it. A guy's had a career that long and still is just, you know, passionate and just I mean it got me going I was telling you I've been, been feeling a little burnt out because I've been doing what well, I've been doing you're working studio. Your tail off, yeah. I've been working a lot um at home oddly enough and 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 um but you know here at Sandy he just gets you juiced man he just has that fire well, it's cool passion. if you go on his website yeah. sandygenero.com g-e-n-n-a-r-o sandygenero.com he's got little he, he's got list of all the some of the bands he's played with uh, actually all the bands he's played with or recorded with yeah. and he's got little memories that he shares yeah. if you click on each uh, each poster basically he's got tour posters and rec- and and some of the recollections some of which we got into on the show today a yeah. lot we didn't right. we didn't talk about Joan Jett at all yeah. he's played with people like Robin Gibb uh, a, a 
re, a later version of the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he, he's got a whole bunch of stories. So check out his website. Yeah. And and he's a great. I mean, he's a great motivational speaker. We sort of can pick pick up on that. Unbelievable! Let him go. You know, it was yeah. just such a great. It was it's great not to many guests, to. Dave, that even you don't get a word. In. I know, I know. <laughs> he was going, but you got to love it, man. He was wonderful. But and just one quick note: next time we're back, I don't know. I haven't told you, but I mentioned my friend Eric Orphan, who played with uh, Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on his tour. Um, is married to Sam Phillips, he produces Sam Phillips, and he wants to come on the podcast, so it's going to be great to have somebody there. Oh. Other than a drummer. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, and the Zep connection, yeah, yeah that'll cool. be huge. That'll it's be cool. huge. Yeah. Hey, thanks to Taylor uh, working us behind the glass uh, again, always doing a great job. We're here at the Wildfire uh, Radio Studios in Woodbury, New Jersey. I forgot to mention that Good at to the be top. Back. And we were also live on phillyrockradio.com. Thanks to our great friend Kevin Law and, and Philly Rock. Thanks again to gotpeace.com, croakerpercussion.com. Yes. For Dave, I'm Andy, and we'll see you next time on In the Pocket. 71.